Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome, 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 welcome. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Trying to get you to retirement, trying to figure out the markets, trying to figure out some stock ideas and current markets. Uh, More on that as we progress today. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Investors haven't been this bearish since 2008. Fund managers expect the global economy to slow down in the next year at the highest rate since November of 2008. So that's on one hand, right? U.S. industrial production rose three-tenths of a percent in September. We see great employment numbers in the United States. Goldman Sachs beats earnings expectations pretty handedly. Big investment bank, kind of important. Um, not a bellwether per se, but it does help the U.S. economy when Goldman Sachs is working, lending and business transactions are happening. Goldman Sachs reported stronger than expected third quarter earnings results driven by its investment banking business. Revenue for the quarter topped expectations, earnings topped expectations. Year over year, you saw 17% growth in revenue. Um, so Wall Street likes that. With that said, how much of it's already built in stock? It's a good, good question. When you have an eight-year, nine-year bull market, a lot of good things are built in. So let's go back to people being bearish. These are people who think the market's going to go lower. Bank of America, Merrill Lynch, just did a global fund manager survey, and 38% of investors think that the global market will decelerate in the next 12 months. That's goodness, because those are people who already typically have sold or hedged against something going down. So potentially they're future buyers. But it's also telling you that psychology right now is 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 fragile and it could it could steamroll down the mountain, so to speak. So a lot of people on the negative side of the fence right now. Market tone though is improved today versus yesterday. And quite honestly, the last eight trading sessions have been pretty darn abysmal. Blismal. I just made up a word. Thank you very much. Whoa. I'm going to send that on a postcard mama. Your son just made up a word, blismal. Sweet. So why positive today when we were negative yesterday and we've been negative basically for October? Well, there's a buy-the-dip mentality. Favorable earnings as well, adding to the sense that, you know, Buy the dips gonna win. Johnson and Johnson, Goldman Sachs, United Health Group, all topped expectations for earnings. And they're all Dow components, Dow Jones Industrial Average. As did Morgan Stanley, WW Granger, BlackRock, Domino's Pizza, and JB Hunt Transport Services. That's a lot of different type of companies. BlackRock, you got investment capital, Morgan Stanley, uh, investment banking, Domino's Pizza, well, cheap food. And J.B. Hunt is a big 
choo-choo kind of train. Now, all those positive earnings don't necessarily mean something's positive. BlackRock's down 3% on disclosure that it suffered net outflows during the quarter. Domino's Pizza's down 3.7% on recognition that its revenue and domestic same-store sales were a little light of expectations. WW Granger down 7.9% as their revenue was a little bit less than expected. But Goldman Sachs is a big one, as is Morgan Stanley and United Healthcare. The move by investment banks like Morgan Stanley and Goldman Sachs are perhaps the most noticeable because the financial sector you want to see financial stocks doing well. If you see financial stocks like go to five year lows and six year lows and seven year lows, it's telling you something's not working in our economy. Adobe's also out there. Adobe's reassuring fourth quarter guidance now for 2019. Revenues will be up 20%, as well as the belief that the sector is due for return to form after down 7.5% this month. Some companies like Netflix are off over 20% from their highs. Facebook, about 24%. So they've corrected. Now, is that enough shakeout, or do you want it to go sideways for a while, or do you want it to go lower? Do you want 24% to be 30%? So that's out there. Adobe is kind of a... Uh, a market gauge right now because it's not one of the, the fancy names. Ooh, fancy. When you're talking about Facebook, Alphabet, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, Google. You could throw Adobe in there because they're certainly rocking and rolling as a Salesforce. Ooh, nasty fight going on between Salesforce CEO and, and Twitter about uh, Proposition C, I believe, and whether a big tech company should be taxed for the number of employees in their city to help the homeless. Uh, Benioff is saying that, Dorsey, you either have to be in the fight or you hate homeless people. (laughs) Oh, good God. Like, really? You're either in on this Proposition C thing or you hate homeless people. Man, that feels like third grade. That feels like third grade to me. But, yeah, so that's what rich billionaires fight about. For Dorsey's part, he says, if the mayor's not behind it, I'm not behind it. Let's take a look at how much corruption we have in the homeless uh, budget already. Interesting. Obviously, Salesforce is a little bit better position to benefit. Not to benefit, but to withstand um, higher taxes than, say, a Twitter is. So that's out there, if I may say so myself. Um, one stock to think about right now, if you're really, really caught up in the stock market, is American Airlines. Momentum investors prefer to leave free-falling issues alone. But American Airlines, whose stock was above $50 a share in April, is down to about 32 Do the quick math, and that's about 36% off. So when you're down 30% within 30 days, it could be a buying opportunity. If you want to catch the momentum as it turns, Um Past rewards for dropping, when American Airlines dropped 30% or more, have often been just rich returns. So there's also other airlines you can take a look at. So bank airlines, not bank, but airlines tend to sell off for flimsy reasons. You'll see something like a Goldman Sachs say, you know, oh, we had our mortgage portfolio ravaged. And it'll sell off. But for United or Continental, all they have to say is something along the lines of, you know, uh, we're not selling enough seats, our margins aren't good enough, Uh, the hurricane has disrupted our business. So 
you know, one of the biggest costs right now for American Airlines is the hurricane that battered the Carolinas. Not Michael, but rather Florence in September, which is also going to cut into third quarter results slated to be announced on October 25. So the price of jet fuels up 38% this year. So that's one of the reasons the stock's down 36% this year. Anyhow, I'm not saying buy it. I'm saying take a look at past history. And if it's something you're looking for, take a look at the revenue, take a look at the earnings, You know, read a little annual report on the company. Maybe get on your brokerage account and get a, a report on the company. That might be a good start. Anyhow, anyway, you can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. I've got a big new event coming up soon that will probably be announced in the next 48 hours. Hope to tell you more about it. And then I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7. There's a lot of fights going on right now with what direction the market should be going in. A lot of experts are rolling into CNBC or Bloomberg and saying this is the beginning of the end, or people are saying this this bull market's got a, a little bit more ways to go. Um, I'm seeing all sorts of, of reports kind of pushing back and forth. Obviously, we have the elections coming up in November that are just less than a month away. You have the Federal Reserve, who kind of is on this march to slow down the economy because unemployment's great. And you don't want great for too long because then that creates wage inflation, too much wage inflation. It's interesting. The market's very much like Goldilocks. It wants some wage inflation. It wants some price inflation, but not too much. Not too hot and not too cold. Central bankers right now are kind of the enemy to the market because um, the Federal Reserve just keeps, you know, signaling. Uh, Powell, Chairman Powell needs to recognize signals of a slowing economy and stop raising interest rates. So says a lot of experts out there. Growth may look strong now with inflation creeping up. It won't remain that way in 2019. And, and typically what happens with the Federal Reserve and with a lot of government programs is they overshoot. Um, they think they know what's going to happen. Um, and they keep raising interest rates and they keep raising interest rates. And then it kind of it's like that. It's the frog in the boiling pot of water. That's the big concern right now. Is are we in a, a boiling pot of water, the economy, where we're kind of getting ourselves into a little bit of trouble, just kind of backing into it ever so slightly? Wow. Um, what else is there? Turkish police reportedly have found evidence that in the Saudi consulate, the Jamal Kashkagi, was killed there. That it's surreal when you see Donald Trump talk about this yesterday and he was saying, well, he could have been killed by a bunch of thugs. And there's some pretty heavy documentation. John Oliver did a really, really nice job uh, before Trump opened his mouth on Monday. Uh, John Oliver did a nice job showing Reagan, Carter, Bush, the first Bush, the second Clinton, Obama all basically turning a blind eye to Saudi Arabia. Because anytime there's human offenses from the king, you don't want to upset the royal kingdom and potentially get cut off from oil. 
that's what was kind of the undertone. And that seems to, again, uh, play into American, you know, business and American ethics. We don't have a, a huge problem with South America because we're, we're kind of apathetic. Uh, we care more about Europe and, you know, we don't, as a nation, do enough for what we can when there's a human tragedy in the world, sometimes outside of our own continent. Anyhow, that's that's the perception anyway. Home builder sentiment improved in October as lumber prices fell. Lumber prices, lumber prices are falling because supplies are rising with an approximately 5% gain in the first four months of the year. A monthly sentiment survey from the National Association of Home Builders raises one point uh, to a number of 68s. And home builders are, are 50s bullish. They're, they're in pretty deep territory. Builders are motivated by solid housing demand, fueled by a growing economy and a generation low for unemployment. Lumber prices are falling because supply is so high. Again, getting NAFTA put into its place will be interesting. The new NAFTA. Mortgage rates are now up more than a full percentage point compared to a year ago, which weakens affordability. But if the home builder is able to say, hey, look, we built the house cheaper because lumber prices went down, there's something there. Uh, a little bit sad news, and uh, we won't beat this one too harsh, but Microsoft co-founder Paul Allen, dead at the age of 65. He was one of the people behind tech TV and really tried aggressively to change the tone of, of business reporting in news. Uh, I never met him, but I did do a little bit of work for tech TV. The Seattle billionaire disclosed earlier this month that he was treat, getting treatment for uh, lymphoma, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. He was a philanthropist. He owned the NBA uh, Trailblazers, the NFL Seattle Seahawks. He has a stake in the Seattle Sounders soccer team. Uh, did some pretty remarkable philanthropy. Did some pretty ridiculous expenditures on boats and on mansions. Did I say boat? I think I have to say super yacht. Um, but, you know, as co-founder of Microsoft, he was estimated worth $20-plus billion last year. And he's done a lot of work with Vulcan, Venture, Vulcan Ventures, his uh, philanthropic uh, efforts, a lot of research into artificial intelligence, new frontier technologies, cultural institutions, revitalization of parts of Seattle. He did the Jimi Hendrix Museum of Pop Culture, which is interesting because if you study Microsoft's Paul Allen uh, co-founder, he liked to jam with musicians, which you go, okay, I, I guess – Musicians want to hang out with billionaires, and billionaires want to hang out with rock stars, right? We all see the grass is greener on the other side. Uh, so Bill Gates obviously was asked how he felt. He says, I'm heartbreaking by passing off one of my oldest and dearest friends, Paul Allen. Um, so we're getting older, and disease will take you. And you could be a billionaire at age 65, and you go down. Uh, we're learning more and more about how to extend life, but you know they say the average woman dies at 78 now, the average man about 75, and those numbers were creeping up until I think they just started to go sideways recently. Um, he he underlived, right? So should he have taken Social Security at 62 or at 70? In his case, 62 because he died at 65. I know you're saying it's too soon to make an example out of him. No, it's not. It's what I do. Um, you may think you're going to live forever. You won't. You need to get a nest egg put together to help pay off your bills when you pass, to help potentially 
let your spouse take a year off and mourn to help potentially help your spouse retire with dignity just in case you didn't and you work till the day you die. You need to put together a nest egg to help you know your children go to college or at least have that potential option. I live in San Carlos, California, and there is an apartment that was listed um, $1,000 a square foot. It was 1,000 square feet, and it was listed for $1.1 million. An apartment. An apartment. Now, you, you start thinking about that, and they're going to need to charge rent of easily $4,000 a month just to say that it's you know cash flowing. Just to say that they're getting something out of it. That's crazy. So do you need to leave money for your children? If you want them to live and, and, and work where you did, or you want them to live and work where they want to, and not in Guatemala, nothing against Guatemala. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. These are interesting markets to say the least. The stories aren't sensational right now, but there's kind of a tug of war going on. Let's bring on Patrick O'Hare from Briefing.com to give us a little bit of insight into the tug of war that we're seeing day to day. It feels like, uh, especially in the month of October, the Bears seem to be winning. How are you, Mr. O'Hare? Hey, Rob. I'm doing okay. Thanks. So a lot of news on on correction, no correction, uh, bear market, no bear market. Uh, What's your work showing you at this point in time? Is it a rolling bear market where it goes from sector to sector, or is it going to be a big one that hits us all at once? Yeah, uh, you know, I would have to lean more in, in favor of that rolling notion, right? And that we've kind of seen that throughout the years. That you don't really have a mass exodus from the stock market per se. Um, you, you know, you've had basically just these 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 sector rotations taking place in 2018. Now, obviously, what we saw last week was more broad based in nature, but even so, during that sell off, you. you you did see, you know, relative strength in some of the more defensive mining sectors, like like the utilities uh, sector, healthcare, things like that. And um, you know, so you don't have the sense really that there's there's this like panicky rush for the exits, and uh, which I think does underscore and perhaps support this notion that really what you had was you know was price correction. You had uh, a number of very widely held uh, stocks, um, crowded stocks, if you will, crowded trades that have just done tremendously. Uh, and you had come off such a really strong uh, third quarter, too, in terms of performance. And you probably had just really some collective de-risking. And there was a trigger for it in the fact that, you know, interest rates moved up pretty quickly, and it kind of got people's attention. And they, I think, took a step back and said, hey, you know, I probably better take a little something off the table so I don't get too greedy here. And and now you're back in this mode of trying to reassess whether the market's going to start ramping up again or if perhaps, you know, we get – caught in one of these, um, you know, lateral time-based corrections now that we've had the initial swoop lower. Gotcha. Now, the initial swoop lower, some people say Wall Street is a discounting mechanism and looks six months in advance, and maybe the whoosh down or the more volatility that we've had recently is being now reflected in some of the news. Walmart saying they're cutting their earnings outlook for 2019. Um, due in large part to the tariffs. Walmart expects e-commerce sales to rise aggressively, though. 
because they're kind of hiding it, hiding the bad news with some good news, which is a smart thing to do. Do you think the volatility that we're seeing is is leading maybe towards some people think the Fed is raising rates too much and it, it'll like whammy us, it'll uh, sneak up on us, it'll be the frog in the boiling water thing? Do you yeah. think maybe six months to, is Wall Street telling us something? Well, you know, it's, it's a really good observation, Rob, in that you know you, the, the stock market is a discounting mechanism, and there's some uh, you know some performances that just don't line up with this notion that you know you're off to the races in terms of economic growth. Um, you know, you've had the underperformance of the home building stocks, the underperformance of the auto stocks, the semiconductor stocks, the transport stocks. Right? These are all. Um, very closely tied to to the economic cycle, and and uh, and it's been somewhat uh, disconcerting to see those groups underperform. Uh, and and you do have to, I think, lend some credence to the idea that, I, you know, that the market itself is, is starting to pay more attention to this idea that perhaps we're getting close to peak growth. And and in other words. Uh, the, that the easy money has been made, you know, uh, and that it's going to be more challenging now because of rising input costs, rising wage costs, um, uh, potentially, you know, seeing the impact of the tariffs start showing up uh, in a more meaningful fashion in the data. Uh, and, and then, of course, as you alluded, you know, you have a Federal Reserve that is certainly in a tightening mode right now and uh, has yet to pay the lip service to the market that the market has always come to expect from the Federal Reserve, which is just basically hints strongly that it's going to be there to provide support with, you know, uh, accommodative communication, if not actually outright accommodation, to stem any flow of losses within the uh, within the stock market. You know, the Jerome Powell Fed right now is not that kind of Fed, and and that's what uh, I think is. Uh, you know, created some disruption here, obviously, as the as market participants worry about uh, the Fed turning from friend to foe um, as as things continue to unfold in the months ahead. As always, I start my morning off by checking out your work at briefing.com. Um, your page one is obviously the first place to start because it's kind of a market preview. Uh, putting that together today, uh, you're moving into earnings season, so there's probably a lot for you to digest. Is there anything in earnings season that you want to see or come out with, or any expectations that would be a flag on a negative side? Well, you know, there, there are several things. You know, first and foremost, you know, as we allude to the stock market being a discounting mechanism, you have to pay attention to the guidance, obviously, and I think that that. The, the, you kind of have the market, uh, you know, showing some angst right now that, that the guidance in aggregate might uh, validate some of these concerns about a slower pace of growth or the fact that, you know, companies are, are starting to see margin pressures due to rising costs. Um, they're starting to see a slowdown in demand, perhaps, due to, you know, rising the, the tariff impact. So, um, so that those are some some things that are really going to you know resonate if you start to hear them collectively, right? Um, you know, I know, you know, last week um, you know, the warning we got out of PPG Industries was was an eye-opening one because it kind of checked all those boxes, right? PP and G's specialty 
chemicals company uh, that talked about currency pressures, tariff factors, uh, slowdown in demand in China, and then even a slowdown in uh, some of its end market demand in Europe and the United States. And obviously that stock got hit extremely hard. So if you start to see more companies, particularly within the industrials and material sector, uh, which, you know, basically provide the building blocks for a lot of products start to um, uh, start to come out and say that in you know in, in a large grouping then I think the market starts to then sit up and pay more attention to the idea that uh, you know to this peak earnings growth narrative and to the worries that that you know rising interest rates and these other factors are starting to uh, create some headwinds that just did not exist um, you know the market still is holding out hope Obviously, that uh, you're going to st- still see the the positive carry through from the tax cuts, uh, which should should actually be the case. You know, we didn't have those in existence in the third quarter and the fourth quarter of last year, and so that should help. And then, of course, there's always this abiding belief that you're going to get a nice, um, uh, uh, some nice aid from corporate share buyback activity, which tends to slow, um, you know, ahead of the earnings reporting period, and, and should be picking back up once the definitely an interesting time. And uh, even headlines coming out of Saudi Arabia right now kind of get our attention, you know, because of the oil, obviously. The murder is interesting and intriguing, but the potential oil threat is something that can always throw a wrench into the markets and the economy. So, it keeps us awake. But one of the things you wrote about today that I applaud you, you've been bringing up Adobe a little bit more. And I think it's so easy to fall into Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, Google, um, just so easy to fall into those. But Adobe's quietly been kind of a, a – it's telling us a lot about tech, and it's, it's that's spending still there, so to speak. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, and I think that, you know, uh, obviously one of the problems for this market, you know, in those stocks you, you mentioned, the Facebooks, the, you know, the Googles, the um, – uh, Apple, Microsoft, you know, um, they've been so, you know, widely owned, you know, so, so favored. Um, and obviously they have, you know, have some tremendous market capitalization so that when you see uh, some, some, some generalized profit taking across those, those big companies, you can see it impact the broader market. But, you know, I, I guess in the case of this, like a company like Adobe, and I should say, I'm not a an Adobe analyst. I don't follow the company per se, but I, I look at it more from a, from a macro perspective. That as you're talking about, is that you know, yeah, they're still seeing pretty good demand, um, and and it's not it's not a one size fits all economy either. I mean, there are companies that are going to continue to thrive here, uh, and obviously we're in this mode of where you know companies are trying to continue to improve productivity and will continue to embrace technological uh, initiatives that are going to help them do that. Um, and so, uh, so you do have to be selective, I think, you know, now, maybe more so than in the past, where you had sort of this all boats rise with the tide, and, and now I think we're starting to see um, some dispersion there and that you're not uh, getting the, the macro trade playing out so much as maybe, you know, just individual stock picking uh, that would um, carry the day here. Uh, so, so something to certainly keep an eye on here as we look at the responses to the, to the various earnings reports that are going to come out over the next several weeks. Interesting one tonight for me is Netflix. Just 
because I live in the Bay Area and it just seems that everyone's moving that direction and uh, it'll be a fun one to watch and I'll, I'll pay attention to what Briefing has to say about it tomorrow. It's Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com. Thank you as always, Patrick O'Hare, Briefing.com. I start my day with his page one report and uh, there's just so much there like earnings calendars. You want to see when Apple reports, you got to earn calendars. You want to see what... Uh, stock splits have been announced. You go to earnings calendar. Uh, you go to stock splits. The IPO market, the big picture, um, the next big thing. That's uh, articles talking about IPOs. They have it all. They've got fundamental. They've got technical. All at briefing.com. That's briefing.com. I'm Rob Black. You can find me at robblackshow.com. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Nancy Pelosi says if the Democrats take, well, if they take back the Congress, they will take on drug prices, background checks for guns and immigration if they win a House majority. So that's interesting to note because, again, depending on what you believe will happen, there's some investments there. There's generic drug companies, which might be winners, and there's big pharmaceutical companies, which might be losers. Gun background checks obviously tied towards the gun makers and a couple um, retailers. Uh, immigration issues, obviously labor in America. But those are the issues that she is promising, Nancy Pelosi. So that's in the news today. Walmart has cut their earnings outlook for 2019. They cited the impact of the acquisition of Indian e-commerce company Flipkart as its biggest deal ever. They expect e-commerce sales in the U.S. to rise 35% next year. The company will only open a handful of stores in the U.S. and will continue to focus on digital. So they bought a 77% stake in Flipkart for $16 billion in May as part of a longer-term strategy to keep uh, moving online. Um, so that's out there. Walmart is a big one. When they talk, we listen. Lyft is rolling out a new 30-day ride subscription for $299 a month. With Lyft's new all-access pass, you can t- take 30 free rides each month, as long as those rides would cost $15 or less. So if you're doing the $10 ride, eh, not so much. If you're doing a lot of $15 rides, you'll save some money. But again, only 30 free rides. The company has previously been testing a monthly plan, is now making the deal official everywhere. I haven't stopped and thought about this yet. Okay, so $299 a month, what's a car payment? Typically, 300 to 600 So, okay, okay, it's making a little bit of sense. I don't do enough uh, lifting and Ubering to tell you consistently what the prices would be. And I certainly don't do it on a 30-day basis, but I think we both know people who do. Uber's testing a similar monthly pass. But, okay, so 30 times, so the most you're going to save is 150 which isn't bad if it's 300 because then you're talking about 50%. Like, you're talking about getting a little bit more bang for your buck, right? This is part of Lyft's pushing to make car ownership optional and consistent looking for more ways to provide passengers with the easiest, most convenient options. Typical riders pay about 499 it says, to 1599 for flat discount to uneligible fares for Uber. Uber's got that similar product out there, but they're all going to refine it right now. Apple bought a company called Asai, and I could be wrong how to say that, A-S-A-I-I. And ultimately, they are in a battle royale with one company. 
and that company would be Spotify. Assize tools and technologies are capable of providing detailed music data insights for music streaming companies. With the help of machine learning, Asai provides artists with in-depth information about the impact of their music on users through its easy-to-use dashboards. So Spotify recently unveiled a similar feature, which allows artists to directly upload their work to the company's platform to see, you know, music-related metrics. And Asai will ultimately create personalized playlists and recommended songs to users based on their listening pattern. So that's interesting to note. You know, again... Apple's trying to gain a first mover advantage in terms of signing exclusive deals with upcoming artists over the likes of Amazon and Alphabet's Google's YouTube. Apple faces intense competition with Spotify, but again, no one else. Spotify has 180 million global users. Apple's user base is probably more like 50 million. Spotify's premium subscribers soared 40% year over year to 83 million. So they continue to do quite well, but so does Apple. Apple saw their music adoption service up 50% year over year, and it's contributing in large part to their services. And Apple has a lot of money and makes a lot of money, and Spotify has money but isn't making a lot of money. We'll see how that battle fares in the future, right? CSX is a train company, a choo-choo company. Woo-woo! How many choo-choo companies can you think of in the United States? The answer is not many. CSX Corporation operates a major rail system, 21,000 miles in the eastern United States. So they dominate 23 states, 70 ports, 240 short-line railroads. They've got the District of Columbia covered. they got parts of Canada in Quebec and Ontario. They're doing a lot of food, a lot of chemicals, a lot of consumer goods, some coal. Uh-oh, coal and autos. So what's interesting to note about CSX is, again, how many train companies can you really think of? And the answer is probably not that many. So there's different ways to play the trains companies. There's Union Pacific, there's Norfolk Southern, there's Burlington Northern. Some of them will give you more exposure to NAFTA type of, of trade. Some of them will give you more exposure to Canadian coal. So CSX has returned 33% this year. It's a big winner. And they've done it through the benefits of what they're calling precision railroading. It's scheduling and cost-cutting philosophies. When the company releases its earnings today, I'm going to be paying attention. CSX is one of the, the big tells for me on the economy. And they give a deep dive down into U.S. industrial and consumer end markets. They give a lot of data. It's an all-American business with 100% of its operations in the lower 48 states, essentially. So it's not a big play on the international stock market, whether it's working or not. It's a play on the U.S. economy and whether it's working or not. Of course, fuel fluctuation prices are going to be a factor. But again, how many monopolies can you own that are bad investments? Think about it on that level. It's expensive for the way it trades today. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial.